0: You, a woman leader in a nonprofit who's struggling with a conflict? Perhaps you're having a conflict with somebody on your team, or perhaps you have two team members who are going at it and you don't know what to do. Perhaps what you've tried hasn't worked, or it's been lingering or going on, or maybe you just don't want to deal with it because you're not great at conflict. Stay tuned for today's episode because we are talking to Stacey Mesner, who is an HR consultant and she's gonna talk to us about the work she does in helping nonprofit organizations understand conflict, deal with conflict, and sort through some of those sticky issues in their teams. Welcome to the Surviving to Thriving podcast that helps women leaders in nonprofits get out of survival mode and thrive in both leadership and life. I'm your host, leadership development coach, Kathy Archer, and I help women leaders enjoy impactful leadership. Stacy comes to us with over 20 years of experience in HR. She is a chartered professional in human resources, and she's going to talk to us about some of the other training she has around bullying and harassment, conflict resolution, the stuff that she's learned and taken training in around workplace assessments, and she's going to tell you that she's on her way to taking mediation training as well. But stay tuned because there's lots of information, not only about what Stacy does when she comes into an organization, but some of the mindset shifts that you need to make in dealing with conflict in your organization, both in the way you deal with it, deal with it with other people, but also in your own mindset and how you look at it from your experience, your capacity, your ability. You don't have to do this alone. And I want you to know that there are resources and supports out there for you. And this is another one. Welcome to the podcast, Stacy. Thank you very much for having me and thinking that I'm interesting enough to talk to. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. There are so many nonprofit organizations that don't have an HR position or don't understand what HR does or understand why it might be valuable to talk to somebody about HR and I know we're specifically going to touch a lot on conflict today, but just tell everybody what it is you do as an HR consultant.
1: hmm well, I just provide advice from an HR uh, best practices standpoint, and I know that might feel like a really loaded word, but I mean, if you have people in your workplace, you have staff, then you have HR or a need for HR skills. And uh, so what HR is to me is how you identified the need for staff, how you, what are they going to do? You know, their job description, you know, how, how are you going to recruit them, attract them? What's, what's your job post? And going to say, you know, where are you going to put that? It's, it's quite a, a process once you think of it. And there's a lot of managers, executive directors that are already doing that, not even thinking of it like an HR component or specialty, right? So onboarding, you know, uh, offer letter, training, performance management, performance appraisals, you know, and and creating that engagement in your workplace where people want
0: to get up in the, you know, get up in the morning and want to come <laughs> to your workplace. You know, so it's HR. <laughs> it's funny because I was just thinking as you were saying that I remember when I very first got into organizations and people would talk about HR and I didn't know what HR stood for. And I then heard the term, you know, human resources at some point, but it didn't really stick to me. HR always meant paperwork policies, Mm -hmm. but when, you know, and this is why I love the work that you do now and the way you do your work, when we stop and think about it being human Mm -hmm. relations, resources, you know, it's like, oh, this is a person, not an employee number.
1: You know, mm-hmm.
0: not a warm body in a position that, you know, fills the, the time schedule, right. but a real human being like that changes yes. it for me.
1: Yes. And so as we're in working relationships with our people, we want to create a structure that allows them to be successful, that has communication so that when things do change and you have to have change management in your organization, whatever that looks like. And I mean, positions change a lot, actually, and especially in small and medium-sized businesses, because there's a bigger expectation to, you know, all hands on deck. We have to now do this. You know, now we have to do this. You know, so in smaller organizations, I find that there's a job description, but there's also an expectation that when we need all hands on deck that we're going to do this.
0: Isn't that that line at the bottom that says, and all other duties as assigned? Yeah, I don't like that line, but...
1: (laughs) I agree that there needs to be something in the culture, in your values, and even in the job description, even if it's kind of labeled in a way that shows that these are our core values. Yeah. And this is how we step in. And, you know, if it's not in your job description, it is something that we value, believe in and support one another with. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah.
0: Very few people, I think, well, sorry, very few people that just run businesses, think about the connection between values and, and job descriptions. Mm -hmm. So, so I think there's a shift there, you know, in the way that you certainly do your human resources work and in the way you consult to organizations around really making the the HR work meaningful. Tell us why do people end up at your doorstep? What are some of the stories you've heard or reasons or emails or phone calls? Yeah, in most
1: circumstances, the first call is like this. I got your name and number, and I heard you do HR, and we have a situation. <laughs> yes. And so that's not really abnormal, even when I was internal HR, is that people would come to your door, yeah, we have a situation, <laughs> Right. Okay, let's talk about the situation, right? And yeah, so a lot of talking about the situation is understanding the context, the understanding your culture, understanding how do we get to this point, right? And, and why is it an emergency now? And and so those emergencies could look like conflict between employees. It could mean that someone is off on disability now for stress leave or some other related leave. It could mean so many things. It could be legislation changes. And we didn't know we were supposed to do this, but guess who came knocking on our door today? Oh, right, right? right? It's like, oh, and so that's okay. I, I mean, even talking to a, a leader today and... With the legislations changes that have happened in the last couple of years in Alberta specifically in regards to harassment, and violence, and yeah. bullying, that prevention, that requirement to to prevent and put hazard assessment controls in place, and and things like that, you know, they're like. I didn't even know that we had that responsibility now, even yeah. after two years of, of the legislation you know, being
0: in place, two and a half years now. So but- give me an example of what do you mean by that responsibility?
1: Yeah, so the responsibility to create a health and safety workplace includes preventing harassment, violence, and bullying in a work environment. So before it used to be that violence because it was defined in OHS legislation in Alberta. They didn't have the definition of harassment. They did include it two and a half years ago. So now there's a definition, a safety responsibility, you know, same as when, okay, we have a new tool in our shop now. And uh, how are we going to make sure that no one
0: hurts themselves while using it? So, okay, just stop there for a moment, because I think what you said there, prevention, that's way different than dealing with a bullying and harassment complaint. Because I think that's what many people think. Well, if somebody comes to me, I'll deal with it. But you're talking about preventing it. What's an organization's responsibility there? To have a policy.
1: So yes, HR does writing, they do, yeah, do yeah. policies. Yes, they have documentation. So it would have a form, a complaint form so yeah. people can file their complaint. It would be that in your policy, you have a method to have an informal discussion about how you wanna resolve the issue and when it goes to a formal complaint and requires a thorough investigation, right? So, so Give
0: me an example. Mm -hmm. of a time and I don't know if you can but try and and keep everything anonymous here Mm -hmm. of when somebody came to you and said somebody's filed a complaint and I don't think there's an issue here and you're like oh yeah actually there is
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: yeah so
1: I think from a human resource standpoint when I have that person who's filed the complaint and the person who says there's no issue here is that we need to come to an understanding of what the issue is. Yeah, right. And so that's where the conflict resolution skills come into play, right?
0: So 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 walk me through the services that you offer. So helping people with the policy stuff, understanding that conflict resolution. Yes, there's some other stuff there. Walk me through the layers of what you do.
1: Yeah. So about three years ago now, I took some fabulous training because I found as a consultant, I was always in those situations about, I have a situation, I have a situation. And so most of my clients would be like, I just, I just need this document and then it'll be fixed. Yeah. And it's like, well, mm, uh, I don't think so. But you know, it might. Mm -hmm. And then several months later, the issue is still there, right? Even if they terminated an employee even if they made changes in job descriptions right even if they added a policy right yeah so sorry to go back to no no no, that, that makes sense yeah I took I thought it would help me understand further about identifying issues in the workplace by completing like a workplace assessment and identifying the different contributors to the issues that this organization always has appearing.
0: It's always so What are, what are yeah. some of the questions you ask during that workplace assessment?
1: Mm, well, first, I really like to try and get to know them, you know, because I, I know it can be very scary, those third parties coming in to talk to me and meet with me. And I mean, I didn't file any complaints or I'm not the issue here, right? <laughs> yes. And so I, I do a lot of getting to know them and empathy you know uh, Mm -hmm. indicate to them I can understand if you feel nervous about this I would feel nervous too if someone was coming to talk to me about this tell me more about what you understand about the process and 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 what would you like to achieve out of this discussion too right Mm -hmm. but so it's getting to know you it's tell me about who you are how long you've been here what are you passionate about what challenges are you facing right now or in the past, or what is something that you really need to tell me that you think would be important to improving your workplace? Right,
0: right. right.
1: Yeah, yeah. And you're interviewing
0: who? So I'm meeting with all employees. And I normally let's let's back up because people like how do you come into an organization? Like, are you talking that you do this work in small nonprofits? I do. Yeah. And I love it. Yeah. So if somebody's having a conflict, if there's something going on, an issue, a situation they could call you or somebody like you and you would actually come in as a third party and sort through all of the dynamics mm-hmm. how the policy plays with that the allegations and take it well let, for one thing and i know you and i have talked about this before as a nonprofit leader especially women in nonprofit leadership we think we have to handle it all ourselves i yes. got to do this like it's my responsibility and there's some shame attached to I can't handle this. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not good at it. So so I think that's that first layer that, that leaders need to know. There are people out there to get help when a situation does occur. You bet. Yeah.
1: And so, yeah, there is a bit of shame, but there's also a bit of, of like, hey, I've followed the textbook yeah. program. I've used this before. I've never had trouble before. Like, yeah. why now? Yeah. And it's like, well, I don't know. I think it, there's context here there, let's talk, like, you know, I hear you're angry. So I'm, I'm reflecting back a lot of emotion and, and, and trying to figure out through the emotions, what it means, right. For them. And so, yeah, some mentoring and coaching of leaders about how to handle a situation. And, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean, well, hey, there's a conflict, I need to talk to everyone. I think, you know, the leader should assess what's the best way to go about, you know, finding out what the issue is Mm -hmm. and am I open to the feedback? Because as the leader, I want to be honest with you, as, as honest as I am with your employees when I'm meeting with them. So, you know, it takes two to tango and, and we're all responsible for creating a, uh, a fair and equal and respectful work environment. So are you open to the feedback? And I promise to be as, as respectful and honest with you as possible.
0: Yeah. Okay. So you interview everybody. What do you do? Create a
1: report? I do. I do create a report. And so I do with that report, the employees' names are anonymous. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I don't say that Stacy said this. Yeah. I say, what is some feedback? What do you want me to take back to your management team, to your leader? Mm -hmm. Uh, What's important for you to say as a result of this report? Mm -hmm. And they tell me, and then I say, okay. And I write it down and I say, is this what you want Is this your words right okay yeah yeah i also then look at general themes things that come up often Mm -hmm. you know or is this an issue between two people which might say this is where i think some conflict resolution training or facilitation may be required between these two people right 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 so you know you know and if i if i feel like it's important enough that it has the ability to continue jeopardizing the relationship i'm very honest with that employee meeting with them here are your options. This is some things to think about Mm -hmm. and and how serious are you about resolving this issue and working through it differently than you have before. Yeah, yeah. So,
0: yeah. Okay, so you bring the report, you review it with everybody? Just the leader?
1: I try and re- review it with the old management team. So your senior right. leadership. Right. Uh, in small nonprofits, I find it's always just the executive director. But I think there's a responsibility for a leadership team within a nonprofit that they understand the process too. I mean, th- I meet with them as well. I meet with yeah. the executive director. <laughs> what about board members sometimes? Not, I haven't yet. Okay. I haven't yet. But it's not out of the question, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm and then sometimes i'm assuming that's it it's sort of resolved itself and sometimes there's more work what's the next step
1: so then i make a recommendations list or a list of things that i think they they should focus on and uh, and i'll be like very pointed you know like you know job descriptions need to be reviewed annually and when reviewing the job descriptions of some of the, your employees it's missing this specific thing <laughs> right because they're always talking about I never get the training I want or I never I, I mean I was hired here and I had no experience and I just had to learn on the fly yeah, you yeah. know and and it's like oh I can I can't even imagine how overwhelmed you must feel like you just feel like you got your head above water, right? And they're just like, yeah, right? Like, so it's like, if I look at job descriptions, like, yeah, but there's no accountability in that job description or identifying what trainings needed,
0: right? Or skills that we need to, to work on, right? So exactly. Okay. So recommendations, and then some people still keep you on. What are you doing then? So then
1: I'm regularly monitoring the program. So I'm, I'm giving recommendations and a treatment plan. And that's the language that was used in the workplace fairness oh, course that I took is that, you know, we are treating a situation here and now we need to monitor the symptoms. Like we need to monitor and make sure that the recommendations that Stacey has provided That they're actually happening, first of all. Mm -hmm. That there's a commitment and that there there is progress, right? And also in that monitoring, it doesn't mean that other things kind of go, oh, we need to do this now. Of course that comes up. And so what I do is I provide support uh, to the identified internal leader who's uh, in charge of leading the progress of that recommendations plan so that they're being held accountable, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And that they're still falling through because it's so easy and this is no fault of anybody. We're all so busy that it's so easy that that could just, you know, move yeah. to the side of the desk. I can't deal with that today. Well, no, yeah. there's an accountability here that we're meeting every month to talk about our progress. So what can we do to delegate some tasks? Do we need another person to take on this specific Uh, line item you know I work with them how are you talking to your team at one point do you think I should come back in and just remind people about their support for this why they're doing this and what other situations are are coming up for them that are blocking them in their progress right
0: is there sometimes things that individuals not the leader but individuals on the team need to do like deal with their own issues in certain ways take training specifically just for them stuff like that yeah I mean I guess I I don't like to
1: identify specific treatment for specific employees i like to look at it from the scope of the overall workplace and the culture and Mm -hmm. so normally i look at hey what about the option of that of providing mentorship coaching to Mm. individual employees and how can that be covered under a benefit plan because I think they would value from that approach or support in the workplace right so there might be some individualized things that I might I really try and focus on the programming the supports creative
0: well thank you I never thought of that as (laughs) creative well I just you know just when I was thinking about it it's creating that that culture of safety, even in the midst of a situation or a crisis or a change or a challenge, it's creating that culture of safety where there is something that's wrong, and it doesn't feel good. Mm -hmm. And I'm committed, like you say, there's, there's got to be that commitment to kind of move through it in some way. But I also want to know that there's a level of safety within this team for me to share and to keep growing. Right? Yes, you bet. Definitely what we're working on
1: is in some situations, we're regaining trust, or we're trying to find a different way to connect hasn't that hasn't been working in the past. And now as has, uh, Im, you know, got to this point yeah. in our organization. And a lot of the things that I'm looking at are, are, are systemic things that people even as leaders are like, I never even thought that would be an issue contributing to this, Stacy. like, I'm completely shocked.
0: When you say systemic, like past issues between people or like things like there's no, there's no supervision going on with employees on a, on a regular basis.
1: I feel like sometimes it, it is about skills Mm -hmm. and ensuring that people have the resources so that they can obtain those skills. I think so many employers, when they hire people, you, you know, there's an expectation that you got to learn and go, as, learn yeah. as you go. Yeah. But that the employer has a responsibility to ensure that if they're learning as they go, what mechanism is in place for feedback, constructive feedback, right. as they learn as they go. And also educational training, mentorship coaching opportunities, I really feel like people have the skills they are just afraid to use them.
0: Yeah, it's interesting you say that. I was talking with an organization I've been coaching in yesterday and it was the the sort of leadership team that had brought us in to coach a variety of the employees. And they're saying so it's a part of a bigger program. They take some training and then they get coaching as well. And they're saying, "Well, they've got the training, so they need to just apply it kind of thing." And and we're like, "Yeah, It's a lot harder when I go and take XYZ training. I mean, let's take conflict resolution training, for example. Lots of leaders have taken some version of, you know, fierce conversations or conflict resolution or whatever. And I get back to the workplace and I'm like, that person has a strong personality. There is no way I'm addressing that issue with them. And and we make it about them, but it's not actually about them. It is so not. So I will tell you that,
1: Prior to taking my conflict resolution training several years ago, and I'll tell you, I've been in HR for 20 years and I never took a conflict resolution training course until five years ago. Wow. So prior to that, I knew I was dealing with conflict. And yeah, you guys just got to get along. I was using methods that I thought were working. Mm -hmm. No, they were not. I'll be honest. I go, oh my God. Why did I handle that situation between those two people like that? That is so uh, inappropriate, right? <laughs> so I took the training and I I did a lot of self-reflection. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. I mean, the training was six days. It was intense. There was tons of reading and the focus was it's on you folks. You have the ability to recognize your triggers, your, your emotions, what you need, how you feel. Oh my gosh. So feelings, yes. You know, I have a list here that I keep at my yes. desk now so that I know that when I'm talking to people, when I'm in conflict or I'm mentoring leaders, it sounds like you were feeling afraid. Yeah. Tell me more about that. Right. So after that training, I'll tell you before I, I should have had that training years ago. And it's totally revolutionized me in my role. And I I'll tell you, I'm not, I hate conflict. <laughs> I, I I I I will procrastinate. I will freeze. I will I will flee. I will do all those things. Yeah. And the thing is, is that as humans, we all do that in conflict. Yes. And if there are people who are stronger or different or you have differences with them and how you do conflict, I say, look at that as an opportunity to build a skill or get to know that person in a different way that you haven't before. And, and that has really helped me through some really tough conversations, even after taking the training personally and professionally so that I can be a more confident person.
0: What you said there at the very beginning of that was the self reflection piece. So while you were doing the training, you were doing a lot of self reflection. So a lot of the work that I do in my membership site is around that self reflection piece, right? And, and you just were talking about triggers. So much of what we do is unconscious, like you say, that fight, flight, you know, we, we hit this strong personality, or we don't want to hurt them. And we don't realize that somehow we're triggered by that. And so we just avoid it and we'll say things like, oh, I didn't have time, or it wasn't the right time, or you know, maybe I'll do that next week, and we put it off and procrastinate. And, and then that's that the systemic problem that you're talking about, is we yeah. avoid conflict for three years yes. or 10 years. Yeah. But when we start to do that piece where we really understand why we're avoiding it, and I love what you said about the emotions. We need to figure out what that emotion is. And many of us use that good, bad, happy, sad kind of, you know, that four sort of overarching words. And, and we forget, again, there's a course in the training library around emotional intelligence, and it's really about helping you figure out that emotional literacy. So I love that you have the card on your desk because I have a binder with emotion words and, and tools to help you kind of figure it out. And, you know, I was just thinking earlier today, often, When I come onto calls with people, one of the first things they say is, oh, I'm tired or I've been so busy. And, you know, is that tired? You're sleepy. Is that tired? You're burnt out. Or is that tired? Maybe that you're weary. You Mm -hmm. know, there's there's lots of versions of it. And I think that's part of it is really starting to understand what is going on here. Right. Um, Because it's not just shut it off.
1: And how it's affecting you. Right. You're right. Yeah, are you acknowledging what needs to be addressed? Yeah. And if you're not, how are you coping? And and
0: and how is it serving you? Well, and the other thing I was talking with Elizabeth, who's going to be on the podcast coming up yesterday, and we were talking about what we tend to do is try and shut those emotions off, and then we become crispy. This is what we need to do, in- and <laughs> because yeah. yeah. that's what confidence looks like, right? Nice. <laughs> Yeah. And there's some names that people use when we uh, shift into that mode and that's not great for leadership. It just isn't.
1: Yeah, I'll remember crispy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so the other piece that you do then is that that mediation kind of conversation. Talk about that a little bit. So I call it, I'm facilitating a conversation because I don't have a formalized
1: mediation designation, but actually I am working on that mediation designation training this year. So that's one of my uh, training goals for this year because there are so many amazing skills that I could be learning to improve how I facilitate conversations that I felt having that training would be uh, very beneficial to me and to my clients. So I'm working on that. But uh, when I facilitate conversations, most people think it's just one and done, right? So, oh, just get them in a room, start talking and, and, you know, if you need an hour or two, that's fine. And, and so that's not the process that I use, nor is it the one that I see works very well Mm -hmm. at all. I think it puts everyone at risk of escalation. And through my training, I realized that's not effective conflict resolution skills uh, facilitation at all what I do in those situations where there are two people who are in conflict is that I, I work with them individually. So I say, this is how you can prepare for the conversation or tell me what, what you're thinking right now, you know, what's the situation, who was involved? Yeah. Uh, how do you, how did you feel during that? How do you feel now and and where, what was left said between you two? Where is it at now? Mm. You know, so really working through the layers of of the the conflict for Mm -hmm, each individual mm -hmm. and giving them tools and and also saying okay so I want you to work on eye language Ah. (laughs) you feel you did this to me right right now I feel frustrated because when you yelled at me at the meeting I did not I did not feel respected instead of you yelled at me and and disrespected me in front of all of our colleagues mm-hmm. like how cool was that yeah you know so i i have them say, i say hey i know you're angry let's talk about tone <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about body language you know <laughs> And uh, let's talk about what the, how we're going to have a successful conversation. Tea. Not like this. Oh, huh? your arms crossed. And <laughs> yeah. And if I do see those things, it's okay. You're a natural human being. I don't want you to become a robot in this conversation. Yeah. I want you to be yourself. I want you to cry if you need to cry. I want you to tell me you're angry. But then I also want you to, if your normal practice is to yell when you're angry, I want you to focus on a tone, a voice mm. that is able to get communicate how you feel. And I will help you through that. If it's hard for you, I won't embarrass you. I promise. I promise to make this safe. Right. So I talk to each employee and then I I give them feedback about what will make this conversation effective. I tell them this is the agenda. So in advance, this is what we're going to, this is the agenda. This is how we're going to flow through things. And
0: it's just the three of you in the room.
1: Correct. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And I say This could take up to 10 sessions, 10, one and a half hour sessions. It could take that long. Yeah, totally. So are you committed or not? Yeah. And, and how, how serious are you about, or what goal do you want to meet? Like, what is your goal? Right. Mm -hmm. You know, so we work through that because for, for employees, this is voluntary sometimes right (laughs) sometimes sometimes, and sometimes it's 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 mandated as part of a performance improvement plan but the conflict between these two employees is so great it's affecting their ability to do their jobs effectively and have effective working relationships with
0: others oh I remember situations where I was heavily involved in that conflict and and the impact it had yes on the rest of the people on the team but also on our clients Like, there's no way I could feel the way I felt in a team meeting and then walk into a conversation with a client and be effective. Like, it just, it's impossible. Right. Yes, it does. And that trickle effect,
1: that downward spiral, as much as you will think this is just your conflict, many of the conflicts we are, we are talking and sharing with people in our workplace because we need an outlet. Mm -hmm. I find that that outlet is good but it's not a, it can't be the only tool you use to resolve your conflict with the person you need to resolve it with. Right, right. So as people in our workplace who are supporting each other through conflict, I really strongly advise them to say, you can listen, you can support, you can empathize, but you need to empower them or provide them resources or point them in the right direction Mm. to say, I'm here to listen and empathize but but this is how is this serving you mm-hmm. and that your conflict with that person. So to have the courage to say that to coworkers is very hard because if they're friends they don't want to wreck their working relationship yeah. or their friendship. But I tell you, you know, a good work colleague will tell me what I need to do so that we can have good friendships at work, good working relationships at work, right? It's, it takes a lot of courage to say those things, right? And
0: the other piece of that is we have to understand that conflict is normal. Oh, yeah. Like, there's. I mean, you're not going to resolve this conflict. And then, la, 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 everything's beautiful in the organization for the next 20 years.
1: Right. Yeah. It takes work. And you're actually recalibrating your brain to to think and and to also address conflict in a different way that you have before. Because if we if we continue using our old patterns, strangely enough, weirdly enough, our brain thinks, well, we know what the outcome will be, even if it's bad, and it's not serving me. And, you know, that's the thing we need to change in our brain is that it's not serving me. And I need to do a different job of this. And it means I'm going to have to address things that I don't want to address about myself.
0: Uh Yeah, yeah. That And I think that goes back to those triggers, right? On this week's podcast, I talked to Mallory Erickson about not enoughness in fundraising. And we all feel that, that imposter syndrome. You know, as soon as we look at, we want to be in control. We want to be competent. We want to be seen as credible. And the minute we feel underneath that, you know, oh shit, something's Mm -hmm. not right. Yeah. Yeah, we don't want to admit that. And yet- that vulnerability, that courage to be brave and say, I screwed up there, or I didn't handle that the best way, or you know mm-hmm. what, I don't know how to handle it, mm-hmm. is what creates the, the powerful strength in the relationships we're talking about. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I wholeheartedly support that. <laughs> all right. So anything we missed
1: in all of the work that you do? I don't think so. I think we covered some really good topics. So yeah. Thank you.
0: <laughs> how, how would you summarize what people need to know about A, employee relations in general, B, about when to reach out for help, and probably C, hmm. how to just own it? Yeah, I think for employee
1: relations, if you're ever feeling uncomfortable about it I think that's when you should start addressing what you're uncomfortable about in in working through the situation with the employee as a supervisor as a manager as an employee
0: yeah
1: listen to those things immediately if you've had a conversation with someone and it hasn't gone well employee relations wise and you're still having the same conversation months later it's not working right so some So that's, again, is another reason why people are calling me later, which is fine. I want to emphasize it's never too late to call me. I'm used to, I'm used to being called when the emergency has happened months ago. The fire blew. (laughs) up. Yeah. And we're still cleaning up or we're still trying to maneuver through this. That's okay. But I would say as soon as you have that inkling that this doesn't feel right, or it's not going to go well, or I'm not really sure what to do. Mm-hmm. I say, that's when you can reach out to me. And sometimes you just need that reassurance of those voices. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. Did you ever think that you could add this into your conversation too? You yeah, have a I policy see. to support what you're trying to say. Okay. So tell people where they can find you. By Googling my website at www.stacymesner.com And we'll make sure all the links are in the notes. Yes. Facebook at Stacy. In HR, I think, <laughs> and uh, on Twitter, Stacy Messner. LinkedIn just googled Stacey Messner. It has a really long. And Messner
0: is M E S S N E R. Correct. And again, all of those links will be in the notes. Thank you so much, Stacy, for sharing your wisdom today. I think Thanks. for people to understand that, yeah, you don't have to do this alone. Yes, um, I think it's the key, right? There's there's totally. a lot of work. Yeah, there is. Yeah,
1: I can't do it alone. So I know that you can't either.
0: Exactly. No, that's what I crashed and burned when I tried to do it alone. So please stop doing it alone. Reach out for help in a variety of ways. That's what I love about the podcast. You know, last week, like I say, we were talking to Heather Terrence, and she was about board governance, like, don't Mm -hmm. feel like you have to do everything by yourself. There are experts out here to help you. There are people to lean on. And it's when we sort of do this together that we create the ability to enjoy the impactful leadership that we desire. If you found today's episode helpful, then you are going to love the training library. Many women leaders in nonprofits wish that they had a coach or a mentor to help them, but they don't believe that they or their organization can afford it. Oh, but you can Inside of the training library membership site, you will not only get access to affordable and easily accessible ongoing personal and professional development training, you will also have access to a leadership coach at your fingertips. That way, when you hit those inevitable challenges that leadership will bring your way, you'll have both the resources and the support to navigate your way through them with confidence, composure, and while keeping your integrity intact. To find out more, head to kathyarcher.com slash library. If you are enjoying the show, I'd love it if you could leave me a comment or a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Go make the rest of your day awesome.